Greetings of the day. I am Ashima Vij on behalf of APS Mamun. Welcome you all at a podcast Words Birds with the theme A Utopian Society. A utopia typically describes an imaginary community or society that possesses highly desirable or nearly perfect qualities for its members. It was coined by Sir Thomas More for his 1516 book Utopia describing a fictional island society in the new world. However, it may also denote an intentional community. There are certain characteristics of a utopian society like citizens are truly free to think independently, citizens have no fear of the outside world, citizens live in a harmonious state the natural world is embraced and revered adam and eve living in the garden during genesis 1 2 is an example of a utopian lifestyle when they first sin by eating the forbidden fruit during genesis 3 the world becomes a dystopia they tried to live a perfect life but the corruption of mankind eventually transformed the world into a dystopia in this sense eden is the utopia of a mankind that yearns for something only known to him through every reverie although we must not forget that perhaps life is a dream it is the fundamental garden where every tree every flower every serpent and every fruit is a manifestation of the human nature thank you perseverance is our priority we give the best to your curiosity With the onset of October, a cozy apparel, chilly weather month with graceful foliages, our school APS Mamun has begun sprightly towards the headway. Let's have an expeditious glance on the happenings of September month. The onset of September month marked the beginning of midterm examinations, that is, the half yearlies for the students from grade one to ten and twelve. The exams were conducted from seventh September to thirtieth September in the school campus, and now. In the nick of time the exams are over and the students have been shown the upshot while the majority of the classes have had their examinations class 11th is still through the process an inquisitive gk olympiad was conducted for the colossal minds of our school on 11th of october a seminar on pocso was organized for the teachers on 15th october an enlightening assembly was conducted by the students and teachers on the auspicious occasion of Gandhi Jayanti Greetings to all I am Dilangi Preeti of class 10A and it is the third section of school podcast book review In the book titled Utopia, Thomas More writes in a letter to Peter Giles, the town clerk of Antwerp, that he is sending the transcript of an oral travelogue about the state of the Utopians by Raphael Hitlerday. 
Since Giles was also present when the explorer told his story, Moore asks the clerk to check the report for completeness. Moore regrets that he forgot to ask which sea the island of Utopia was located in and asks Giles to add the information. Moore is still hesitating to publish the report. People might not like it and objects to its wit, spirit and scorn. Furthermore, the Philistines could find it too difficult and the learn too trivial. So he asks Giles for advice on whether to put it into print. Moore speaks about his diplomatic mission to Flanders on behalf of the English king Henry VIII. There, Giles introduces him to Raphael Hitlerde, a Portuguese with whom Amerigo Vespucci, the explorer of the New World, travelled to unknown territories. Hitlerde tells of peoples and nations south of the equator. He is critical of the European country states and social order and he believes that the newly discovered societies could indeed serve Europe as an example. This leads to a discussion about why Hitlerde wouldn't enter into a king's service. The Portuguese doesn't want to make himself a slave and he doesn't believe that kings care one bit about the welfare of the people. He suspects the king's counsels of being flatterers. For if you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners to be corrupted from their infancy and then punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them, what else is to be concluded from this but that you first make thieves and then punish them? At the dining table of Cardinal John Morton, Chancellor of England, whom Thomas Moore knows as well, a lawyer wonders why so many thieves and robbers continue to engage in their nefarious deeds despite the draconian punishment leveled upon them. Hitlerde answers that teachings usually beat punishing. Many people steal out of fatal necessity. Moreover, princes and abbots deprive peasants of their livelihoods by turning farmland into pasture for sheep. In order to stop making people into thieves, Hitlerde advises the rebuilding of farming villages to prevent land purchases by the rich and to fight the general corruption of morals. The magistrates never engage the people in unnecessary labor. He speaks out against capital punishment for God has commanded men not to kill. He cites the punishment method of the polylerets as an example. There, the thief must give back stolen goods to their owners. In case there is nothing left to give back, he must serve in the public works. The Portuguese recommends this method for England. Only the cardinal proposes to give it a try. Now the dinner party suddenly praises Hitlerde's idea. For Hitlerde, it's a perfect example of toyism and sign that he's not the right sort to serve at a king's court. In another conversation with Moore, Hitlerde outlines common European power politics using France as an example, in particular as regards marriage policies and bribery. He would suggest to the king of France to give up his Italian possessions. It is the fear of want that makes any of the whole race of animals either greedy or ravenous, but besides fear, there is in man a pride that makes him fancy it a particular glory to excel others in pomp and excess. The Portuguese goes on to say that a happy and prosperous people is the pride and glory of any king. In this case, Hitlerde puts forward the Macarians, a neighboring people to the Utopians. The Macarian king isn't allowed to have more than 1,000 pounds of gold in his treasuries, keeping him from excessively enriching himself and becoming greedy. Hitlerde concludes that philosophers should have no business dealings with the princes. Moore responds that instead of turning one's backs on politics and state, one should try to change these things step by step tactfully and by striking the right tone. The utopians do not place happiness in all sorts of pleasure but only in those that in themselves are good and honest. For Hitlerde, confirming to those in power is equivalent to lying. Happiness, he continues, 
only exists in the absence of private property, the only state to which the philosopher could contribute anything at all. People who know nothing but equality would never respect superiors or authorities. The name Utopia, says Hitler Day, goes back to the explorer Utopus who colonized the peninsula and together with the natives separated it from the mainland to create an island. Its 54 cities are all equally well built. Amoro is the capital and the seat of the island senate. Every city is allotted sufficient arable land for its needs and the land is farmed by country families. In Utopia, every man has a right to everything. If care is taken to keep the public store full, no private man can want anything. No man is poor, and though no man has anything, yet they are all rich. Every two years, half of each country family moves back into town and 20 city dwellers move to the countryside. Every utopian thus acquires expertise in both farming and a trade and the cleverest are designated to become scientists. The utopians are advanced in crop cultivation, animal husbandry and technology and the research in state of the art. In towns, everyone is welcome everywhere. 30 families choose a magistrate, the philarch, and the philarchs in turn elect the archphilarchs as their representative. The people name some candidates for the position of prince whom the archphilarchs elect. Princes and archphilarchs meet every three days in the senate and decide the island's policy matters. Utopians all wear the same kind of plain and practical yet gracious clothing. The buildings are simple. The inhabitants of Utopia only work for six hours a day and still generate a surplus. There are no idle priests or noblemen with entourages and also no beggars. Fruitless labor that caters to luxury and hedonistic vices is non-existence as are lawyers whom the utopians consider to be manipulators of the truth. Therefore, Hitode believes all the other governments are a conspiracy of the rich. Pleasure and diversion consist of sitting and being jolly together or of partaking in popular entertainments. Utopians eat together in big halls, there's no drinking, loose behavior or gambling. When a family gets too big, its members give away their children to smaller families in order to maintain a proper balance. People move to a less populated city on the island or found a colony on the mainland. They only go to war when they need land to provide for the living, claiming unused territories and uncultivated soil from the natives. When the population of Utopia falls before a reasonable number, they abandon their colonies and return to the island. The sick receive care in well-furnished hospitals that keep exemplary hygienic standards. The Utopians excel in medical care and are much known for their skills. They suggest euthanasia to the terminally ill. If they are caught rambling around the country without a passport, they are treated as fugitives and punished with slavery. There are no slaughterhouses within the city walls. The act of killing remains foreign to the citizenry. The slaughtering of animals is entirely left to slaves. The Utopians export everything they don't need themselves and give the seventh part of these goods to the poor of the countries receiving them. Utopians have earned a vast gold treasure with their exports, knowing that they can bribe all their enemies and thereby prevent wars. Utopians value iron more than gold. They think of the shiny metal as tacky. They make fetters and chains for their slaves out of it as well as chamber pots. They don't know aristocratic indulges like hunting. In their view, it is plain wrong to kill animals for pleasure and flaunt elegance at the same time. Utopians punish adultery severely because they believe that disorderly mating undermines the institution of marriage in the long run. The most common sentence for severe crimes tends to be enslavement. The Utopians are tolerant in religious matters, 
believing that each person should pursue his personal way of achieving happiness. They resist excessive missionary work. They believe in immorality. Hitlerday ends his report by praising this idea, state and social system. of the day Ainarthi is going to talk about an article published in 2017 by Richard Wilkinson and Kate Pickett The science is in greater equality makes societies healthier Extreme income inequality takes a toll on the health education and social well-being of entire societies not just the individuals at the bottom of the economic ladder Consider that the life expectancy of infants born in Greece is 1.2 years higher than that of babies born in the United States. And in America, infants are twice as likely to die during their first year than those born in Japan. Though the United States spends far more on healthcare and boasts higher average income per capita, then either Greece or Japan a noteworthy fact is that both these nations have low level of income inequality while the united states condenses with a much wider gap between the rich and the poor health and social problems are indeed more common in countries with bigger income inequalities as index of health and social problems ranks nations based on issues such as homicide rates teenage birth rates the prevalence of mental illness and infant mortality for example nations with extreme income gaps such as united states and united kingdom cope with high rates of disorders such as imprisonment obesity and murder This finding suggests that a lack of social cohesion and increased violence result from wide inequality. Far from being inevitable and unstoppable, the deterioration in social well-being and the qualities of social relations in society is reversible. Understanding the effects of inequality means that we have suddenly have a policy handle on the well-being of whole societies the achievement of education standards correlates with social inclusion as is borne out in the index measures of finland and belgium both egalitarian societies that score high on adult literacy and in contrast to america and britain to highly unequal nations in the social health and wealth dimensions that exhibit low average literacy scores income inequality lies at the root of many problems but no amount of justifying the poor for bad behavior or launching programs aimed for individual lifestyle improvements like exercise or work life balance will solve these troubles Instead, policymakers should set their sights on reducing income disparities and increasing the 
psychosocial well-being of whole populations. Many routes led to reduced inequality. Japanese, for example, have a relatively flat wage system. More traditionally, nations redistribute wealth through taxes and support systems that give rise to what some labels call a welfare state. Government leaders intend on cutting taxes and public expenditures rather than pursuing policies to immigrate. Income inequality will spend more money to remedy the health and social fallout than they would by finding to close income gaps. Greetings of the day. Today Ivan Prith is going to talk about an article published in 2015 in Wall Street Journal about what the world will speak in 2115. English is currently the world's linguistic medium. Nearly 2 billion people speak it in 2015 and it is well on its way to being spoken by every third person on the planet. The dominance of English has raised some premature fears. that it could become the world's only language while vastly fewer languages will be spoken 100 years from now down from the current 6000 to around 600 a multiplicity of languages will continue to flourish a traveler to the future a century from now is likely to notice two things about the language landscape of earth firstly there will vastly fewer languages Secondly, languages will often be less complicated than they are today, especially in how they are spoken as opposed to how they are written. In the future, a distinct shift will mark languages. They will become streamlined, particularly in the spoken form. Nationalities will pass down their ancestral languages to new new generation using smaller vocabularies and less complex grammar. These changes are part of a larger trend that has been growing over the past few millennia as the result of a large transfer of people. Radical migration have forced adults to learn new languages in new countries quickly. As a result, people learn of uh, learn less of a language opting for shorter sentences and abandoning complex grammar rules that don't enhance comprehension. We may regret the eclipse of a world where 6000 different languages were spoken as opposed to just 600 but there is a silver lining in the fact that ever more people will be able to communicate in one language that they use alongside their native one current population movements are creating a new wave of language streamlining in which the children of immigrants are speaking a new version of their adopted country's language among themselves one that often dispenses with for example irregular verbs and gendered objects language streamlining should not be interpreted as a sign of a linguistic decline these optimized languages are still full languages in fact modern english as people use it today is actually a streamlined version of old old english Of course, 
the dramatic loss of thousands of languages over the next century is regrettable. However, more people will have the capacity to communicate in one widely accepted language that they can use next to their native tongue. The future holds the promise of increased mutual comprehension as stream as streamlined languages become easier to learn. While this doesn't uh, promise a linguistic utopia, neither does it portend a linguistic dystopia.